Hi, guys, and welcome to the 60th episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. It's really nice to have you here. I'm flying solo again this week. We don't have Mo. Like we said in the last episode, he's really busy with this competition thing with the winter sports. Um, but it's really a pleasure because we do have our second guest of 2021 with us today, and I'm really excited to introduce her. But first, right up front, I do I do want to say that if you have been listening to this show before, and if you're also new and you enjoy this episode, what really helps uh, people find our show is if you go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if there's a feature to give it a rating or a comment or to give it a share, anything like that, it really helps boost, for some reason, it really helps boost the algorithm and it really helps new listeners find our show. So if you are a creative person, if you're an expat, anything like that, and you think someone that you know might enjoy the show, or you want to help share that to other people in your situation, uh, that really helps new people find us. So please go do that. If you want to financially support the show, like I've mentioned before, we are getting into uh, live streaming. We're going to get into video podcasting soon, and any donations, of course, all go towards that and really help a lot. And I wonder, I thought I had one more thing I wanted to mention right at the top, but maybe it'll come to me later. Otherwise, guys, this is episode 60, and we have our guest with us today, a friend of mine, a very talented entertainer of all sorts, a musician, actress, uh, improv, uh, uh, pianist, uh, um, uh, everything you can imagine under the sun all in one. Welcome, Emma Holmes. Hi there, Jordan. Nice to be on the show. Thank you for it's really great. me. It's really great to finally have you on here because I remember we, like, we used to work together at this school and I remember, I think it was over a year ago, or maybe it was about a year ago, I told you I wanted to get you on the show. Well, you, you, were, you told me before you even started the podcast, you're like, hey, will you come on my show? I'm like, yeah, come on the show. And uh, was it before we even started recording? Yeah, so uh, you know, <laughs> oh, whatever, man. dude. Oh, that's really bad. That's it really is, embarrassing. Yeah. But you know, if <laughs> if I want you find at the bottom of the barrel, you've been scraping. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So I remember there was even. Um, it's kind of. A sweet it's kind of a sweet symphony in a way that there was this one day you were teaching a class and you asked me to come in to talk to your um despondent teenagers about podcasts do you remember that they were only despondent in other people's lessons but yeah i do remember that yeah <laughs> what do you i mean so what are all the lessons and what are all the things that you teach at at, at the school Wow. Um, all, well, all sorts of things. Because I, I want to talk about that first, and then I want to get into like all the creative stuff that you do, because that's a much bigger conversation. Yeah, although I do think that uh, my day job allows me to be incredibly creative as well, so it's not completely off topic in that sense. Um, I cool. teach French and English, um, mostly uh, English not as a foreign language, but as you would learn it in the UK or the US or Canada, wherever you you know have English as a native uh, language. Yeah. Um, and mixed in with that, I also uh, am responsible for the school production, which uh, we've only done one so far because COVID, alas, put a stop to last year's and probably this year's as well. 
Um, and I also teach part of the Abbey. I teach English at Abbey Tour level, but as part of the Abbey Tour, I also do uh, a peer seminar, which is part of part of it. It's a project basically the kids have to do, and the number of topics you know are, are endless. That could be about anything. And I chose to do. Uh, I've chosen the last two years to do improv theatre. I've pitched a new one for next year about um, the human voice and exploring, experimenting with the human voice and making music using that. Oh, wow. Alone. So all sorts of, all sorts of stuff, really. It's not just, um, it's not just the academics. So the first, the first production that you did at the school, this play Peter Pan, was that the, that was the very first one that you did? It was the first one that was done at forums. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, because it, it was, it was so seamless. It felt like that couldn't have been the first one that you were, had, you were like streamlining. Um, well, I did the same play. I mean, it was one that I co, I mean, I didn't write Peter Pan, my God, I wouldn't ever claim that, of course, <laughs> but we adapted the story. Uh, a colleague of mine um, that I used to work with in the UK, she sort of did the, the main part of the, the text, the script uh, adapted from the novel, of course. And then I, I did the music for that, and I'd done that back in the UK um, in '99. Um, no, that's rubbish. Sorry, I'm '99. No, '99. That's when I left school. <laughs> 2009, <laughs> 10, 2000, 2009. It was yeah, because I left okay. the UK in 2010. Um, that's right. Um, I actually no, but I did start writing some of the songs all the way back in '99. For Peter Pan, yeah, because uh, at our wow. school it was a you know a British school and we had houses uh, like at Hogwarts and uh, every year we had to put <laughs> on a play in our house and one year the theme was fairy tales and we had Peter Pan so two of the songs that were in the final production that you saw were also written when I was still at school. <laughs> that's unbelievable that you held on to them that long. That's that's really cool. Well, I'd always wanted to make more of it, you know, and then. That that came then later on when I was when I was teaching. I guess writing music for a production like that does make more sense that they last long over time. They 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 get better over time and they aren't aren't something that you can easily throw away as opposed to when you write your own music. Mm. Like I mentioned with my own songs, I'm I'm you know, I write a few ideas down and then maybe one percent of them gets through to something that I keep and finally, you know, arrange and record and like spend time promoting and trying to tour. But the other 99% of what's in these scattered notebooks, like maybe I'll take a lyric or a chunk for something in the future, but the rest it really ends up just going into the ether. Like I just never think about it again, but, um, yeah, because it it's comes a, down, a way of processing your own thoughts though. Whereas with what I was doing with the musical, obviously is you're, you're trying to add to the story, the emotion of the story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I remember, I remember I was there, I, I think I was watching a year three class or a year two class that day. I don't remember. Maybe I even saw it twice, but I, I saw it and I remember the music specifically. And I don't even know which song it was right now. Something with, I want to say fireflies. Did you have something called something fireflies? Mm. Maybe. Or, or can you remember what was happening on the stage at the time? Um, oh, it was when, uh, yes, I, I don't know if it, I think it must have been Neverland, and then they, they met these this new group. So, boys, maybe it was like maybe it was the Lost Boys, and they had some fairies. 
or something dancing around them. Yeah, right. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. It was too, it was too long ago. It was too long ago, but, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the music was just so spectacular for that. And then I remember, so I wasn't sure if you were, you were just a musician playing these songs out of someone else's rendition, you know, like you and I had never sat down and talked about like that you had written these songs. It wasn't until a few, maybe a few weeks later, possibly even a few months later, I was talking to another colleague of ours, I think in the elementary department, and they were, I told them that maybe I wanted to have you on the show or that you and I had done some improv together. And they were like, oh, is she the one that did the music for Peter Pan? I said, yeah, she's the one that played the piano. And they said, oh my God, can you believe that she wrote all those songs? That's so incredible. And I thought, she wrote the songs? <laughs> That's crazy, you know? I had no idea. So that's really impressive that you did that. I really, and the songs were so beautiful, so well arranged. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, anyone that creates something, they, they mean a lot to me personally. And then, of course, it's great when other people like them too. I, I think that, um, sure. you know, I think a lot of stuff that, well, I don't, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but stuff that I write, uh, I can't really do you know that it is as it is and you either take it or leave it do you know what i mean i i don't right. spend ages working and working and working on things you know unless i if i'm not happy with it then i'll change it but it, it's such a part of uh of me i mean it sounds sappy but like it, i just feel like it's part of who i am like my soul in a way and you know you either like it or you don't um yeah so it's nice to hear that <laughs> That you did like it. That's that's great. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was just a really impressive, impressive thing to see and to hear. So, but also, I think we should maybe go back a bit because I feel like there's so much about your years in the UK that I don't know anything about. So, do you want to tell me a bit about like where you went to school and maybe what your first passion was? Because I know that you're really into a few different creative mediums. Mm, sure. Um, well, where did it all start? I mean, I suppose it really started with dancing when I was two. I danced from two oh, wow. to about 16. I did ballet and I'm just really not not very flexible. So I um, wasn't the best ballerina, uh, but I did my best. And um, I wasn't either. You know, well, <laughs> I don't know. I could imagine you in a tutu, Jordan. Um and uh, I can wear one, I just can't dance. Yeah, I was hoping you'd have it on tonight. I'm quite disappointed. Mind you, I can't see your bottom half, so for all I know, you've got it on. Um, yeah, so, and, and I did tap dancing, which I loved. And, and then as part of my dance school, every two years, three years, I can't remember the, the frequency of it, we would do a show. And uh, we, I was, well, the class, my, my class was asked to audition to sing um, uh, songs from Les Miserables. And I ended up getting one of the, the singing roles. And from then on, I started to sing. And um, yeah, a sort of a parallel I was learning. I started with the violin and uh, then the pestered my parents to let me learn the piano and then eventually had singing lessons as well. So, you know, I was big into, I would say I was big into to music, less so dancing uh wasn't really a world I felt super comfortable with, although now I'm grateful that I did do that. Um, yeah. And yeah, at school I was in string orchestra, the you know the main orchestra, chamber choir, the senior choir. Uh, then later on I took wow. the, the junior chamber choir and directed that as a student. Um, 
when I went to university, um, yeah, university was was interesting. I actually got a singing scholarship, and then they gave me this horrible singing teacher who just she just made, she just made me cry after every lesson. She was like forcing my voice, and I'd had I just I'd had enough of that. So I, singing then sort of became something that I just did for myself. I didn't even try to get a scholarship the next year. Um, but at university, I did. I was part of the madrigal choir. I don't you, you know what madrigals are. It was, no, what's well, that? Uh, you'll you'll be into this uh, Elizabethan uh, songs, <laughs> a lot a lot oh, of fallas wow. and tar triddly dees and and things like that. <laughs> uh, and we did a, a little tour of the UK in that choir, and it was really great for sort of exploring different harmonies and things like that. I was also in the Renaissance group, and I have a a love of music of all all genres, you know, from from very early music to to more sort of, con- you know, very much contemporary stuff like ta- Taverner. That's a huge range of things. That's a huge range of things to be tapping into. How, how old were you around that time? Well, university, I was, what, 18 to 21. Okay, wow. Just what happened? An enormous crash. I don't know what that was. Oh, weird. Something in the, in the apartment. No, I don't think so. I think it might be my neighbor. I'm hoping oh, it's. We have that issue. I'm, hope, I'm hoping it's not a gerbil. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're not that big. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yes, they've, gr- they've grown sentient. They're ready. They're getting their revenge. Oh, now. they are very. Oh, yeah. I've got gerbil babies and everything. Uh, don't worry, we're not keeping them all. Um. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the. Back to the music. I yeah, guess. you had been. Yeah, so music was like this huge thing you were mm-hmm. a part of, and and you know, did you like when you went to bed at night after a great day in one of these choirs? Did you have a dream of you know being a singer more or a musician more or uh, writing songs? Oh, I wanted to be a film composer. That was very much my. That's what I wanted to that's do. That's really cool. Uh, wow. Yes, I suppose. Well, um, I I spent a year in France. Uh, I didn't actually. It ended up being half a year. Uh, but um, I actually met a British, uh, he's actually a painter, he's done quite well for himself, who's married to a a French lady, and he was looking for a native English speaker to sing. I saw this at the university, I was studying in Toulouse, and uh, I got in contact and ended up having the most fabulous summer writing songs with him and also adapting his songs and taking his wife's poetry uh, and create, you know, writing melodies for that. And that was just fabulous. And, and when I came back from university, I was, I said, right, I know what I want to do. I want to finish my degree. My degree was in French and linguistics. I want to finish my degree. And then I want to go on to study uh, composition. But in the end, that was not going to happen because, well, it was just felt that that wouldn't be a very, you know, secure path to go down and um yeah in the end I I I was pretty I spent a few resentful years because I felt like I hadn't really achieved what I wanted to but now I actually feel that it's taken a little while but my job is allowing me to pursue a lot of my dreams that I never would have expected it to you know yeah absolutely but when you say that you know you had this epiphany that it wasn't going to be a fruitful path to take was that more of you facing your own uh, fears in a, in a way or was it someone else's influence uh, no it it was someone else's influence oh, okay okay was it a parent 
It's yeah. 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 It was fear. It was fear talking and it was probably correct. You know, it was probably right. But um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think the thing for me is, um, um, hang on a sec. I can Of course, just, just leave everything rolling. Because there's a lot of noise. For sure. And I don't know what's going on. Hang on. Okay, I know what the noise was now. It was my neighbor having a Riva delivery and they dropped a whole bag of stuff. All oh, around. man. Oh, that stinks. I shut the, the, the doors that I can to avoid the, <laughs> to avoid the noise. What a great, what great timing. That never happens. And it happened this what evening. A nice, what a nice Fantastic. coincidence that someone's getting groceries cool. delivered and they spilled the oranges, you know? Well, I think it was, you know... Uh, oranges in glass jars oh. uh, because it was a heck of a oh, noise. Man. Anyway, at least it's not the gerbils. That's, that's, that's all I can but say. But you were saying, you know, you, you had this uh, you had this turning point and you felt maybe, I'm sure at that time you probably felt a little resentful uh, as we all would. I did you know, feel as I yeah. think any creative person would feel that way. Like there's definitely moments even in, in, in my own like musical journey or whatever or getting into new things like getting into podcasting, getting into radio. Even when I was uh, in university, I was really torn between, I really wanted to be an actor. And then I was also trying to be a sketch comedy writer. And I also wanted to be a musician. I couldn't really identify what what I was strongest at. And, you know, there's sometimes you hit a wall and you either have a voice in your ear saying like, just push a little harder and the wall will come crumbling down. Or you have a voice saying like, hey, that's a pretty thick wall. And just over there is plywood. You can just punch right through that. You know, you just have... Everyone gets to that point, so I'm sure that you felt um, resentful for that. But I, but I think it's really cool that you're in a job now that allows you to explore those freedoms. Like, can you explain more? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just, uh, I think you know there is there was a lot of resentment. I was quite resentful for quite a long time. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy being a teacher. It wasn't like I, I was trying to fit into a job where I didn't feel I fit I I felt like it was a good match for me but I just felt there was so much untapped potential that I never really had the chance to develop and work on and explore um because of because of fear um from you know elsewhere um but you know now I've been able to put on my musical I've been able to teach improv explore improv I've you know I every day that I'm preparing my lessons it's it is very very creative because uh, especially you know when you're when you're teaching um things like the novel to kill a mockingbird you really have to you know you've got a novel that is written in the 50s set in the 30s but it's still so relevant with its themes today. So how can I put that across to the kids so that they understand why they're learning this? And, you know, it's a lot of looking at what resources are out there and creating these these sort of hybrids of, of different resources, my own ideas and mixing them all together. And I find it really exciting and satisfying. It does satisfy my creative like hunger, as yeah. it were, you know. So even that just on one, you know, just in my day job, I find that it is, it's not, it, it wouldn't be enough by itself because I need that, the music and the theatre. I do want to have that as well. But I mean, standing in front of a class is great theatre. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. it is. Uh, 
I love having them, getting them to laugh. It's great. Yeah. You know? I mean, every performer loves the stage, no matter the size, you know, That's right. it's so true. <laughs> as long as I'm in the limelight. No, but no, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's true in a sense. Everyone who loves to perform will perform in any circumstance. I mean, people who pop in those elevator jokes, you know, or maybe in a classroom or maybe, you know, in between songs and some weird, unexpected setting, there's still everyone, you know, if you love to perform, then you just love to perform and there's, you know, you'll yeah. do it anywhere you can. Um, but I think that's really, really cool that you found this opportunity to do it there. And I also thought like, um, and we'll talk about it in more detail, but we did a, a an improv comedy show together. Uh, my only one that I ever did in Germany since I've moved here, actually. Thanks to you. And I've tried to persuade you to do more. Uh, and we, and as soon as we can, I, I would love to actually, because it's something that I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot and I enjoyed the rehearsals and it felt like I was back in, in university. Um, but I also wonder, you know, when you were, when you were fighting hard to be um, a full-time musician, did you have, did you have like musical idols that you looked up to people that you said, okay, I really, I want to try and do what this person's doing. Or did you just, or not really, you just left all kinds and you wanted to do it too. The thing is, the stuff that I write, uh, uh, I'm not sure how marketable it is. Do you see what I mean? So I didn't really feel that I was trying to emulate any particular singer or, or musician. Mm -hmm. um, I'd find inspiration in lots of different places. And also people often say to me, oh, what kind of music do you sing? Uh, because at the moment I find so, uh, you know, I'm also a, a mom and I'm working full time, uh, obviously. So I find that I don't have huge amounts of creative space. And um, I've kind of just learned to accept that for the time being. Um, so I tend to do, you know, the music that I do, uh, it tends to be, uh, you know, a lot of cover things where I get a lot of inspiration from you know, all over the place. Um, and it depends on what mood I'm in, you know, as I'm, sh I don't know. I, I, again, I don't know about other people, but it, you know, sometimes I can be inspired by a Miss, Miss Dolly Parton, you know, <laughs> I mean, it can just be as diverse I mean, she's as that. Very inspirational. The other day, she's wonderful. And I was watching uh, the other day, you know, the, the, uh, the beatboxer, uh, Kevin, I can't remember his second name now from the Pentatonics who plays his cello and does his beatboxing. And, uh, just it just it's such a diversity and also you know the old uh you know singers and Nina Simone and sure. you know, anything and everything so you can you can kind of just be inspired um, by someone who's great at their craft right yeah. exactly I'm not particularly attached to one thing and I also found uh, a lot of really great just totally random things. Like there's a beautiful Danish song that I think is so wonderful. The harmonies in it and the softness of the melody and the peace that it, it kind of brings out in me. Um, so I, I wouldn't say there's one person, uh, you know, there, there are artists that I, that I admire. I think I tend to admire people for their honesty when, when they're true to themselves. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I find myself yeah, like getting so torn on the same thing, but currently, you know, I, I would say there's one or two styles that I do best within my skill range, but I can also get inspired by such completely different styles of music. And then I think to myself that I, that's something I'd want to pursue and either I just don't do it or when I try to do something like it, I get discouraged or maybe 
in the end, I still make something within my range at the end of the day anyway. You know, you know what I mean? Like the only real challenges I've had recently in terms of trying to explore musically is through collaboration, which has really been a beneficial thing for me in the last few months because I'm always doing the same kind of music more or less. Like I have a direction that I enjoy playing in, but there's this um, beat maker and rapper. He's my friend, Matt, but his artist name is Tom Yanks. And he, he's just been really encouraging and really fun to work with these last few months. He, he, he makes these crazy like chill hop sort of trappy cool hip hop beats. And sometimes he just says, Hey, you know, do you hear like a melody on there? And even though it's my voice and it's within my range, because there's a new foundation there, it's not my acoustic guitar or whatever. It's a whole new world Mm -hmm. and a new beat and a new vibe. It gives me like a whole, it puts me in a whole different kind of room as opposed to like, let's say I'm always singing in a church. He says, Hey, why don't you sing in this mall on this mall escalator? That's just like a totally different scenario. And you're like, Oh, I didn't know that I could do that. And that's really fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd love to do some collaboration. Uh, I've, I've always looked to do that. Um, I think it's often, well, I found, I found it difficult to find people to, to collaborate with. And I think also my own confidence in, in what I can do. I, I mean, uh, I think uh, the creative side is, is fine. I don't think there's an issue there. But uh, when it comes to, you know, the... the the technicalities behind the music, uh, there I feel that I'm rather wanting. And but it might be nice to to collaborate with someone who does understand more or or who has a better feel for that. Because for me, it's really a struggle. You know, I hear that chord next, but what is that damn chord? Oh yeah, I'm the same. I'm um, the same. I'm yeah. so I'm so untechnical with that sort of stuff. If someone if someone wants to collaborate and they say like, hey, here's this demo. It's at 90 BPM. It's in the key of G minor. I go like, well, I know that one of those chords is G minor, but I don't know that scale. You know, I'd have to really take time with it. Yeah. But I think you either have that or you don't, because I mean, I've tried to train that so hard and it's just, it doesn't work out for me. So I'm very extraordinarily intuitive (laughs) and, uh, you know, I wonder whether that, you know, is looked down upon, is frowned upon. At the end of the day, I think I've reached a point where I don't really care. That's what I do. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I do. And uh, I'm happy to learn and expand my horizons and learn from other people and just be gracious about what I can do, but also yeah, be open about what other people can do as well. And I think that's that's a way to, to you know, push yourself as do well. Do you think, you think seeing how your life is now, if you could have gone back to your university days or maybe even before that and known that if you just, you know, flip this one light switch the other way that you would, you know, become a very successful, very famous actress or a very successful, very famous uh, musician, you know, would you have gone back to make that choice? And if you did, which one would you think you'd make? So what do you ask me? Would I have made the choice in the first like, place? Like, let's say that you could, like, you are who you are now, and you can go back in time. That's yeah. the first choice. Would you go back and make this choice different? Would you change something? And if you could, would you want to come out of it as a famous actress or as a famous musician, like, successful, like, in, in, your, in, in your own right? 
Okay. Well, I think if I had to choose between the two, I'd I'd go for a musician. Yeah. Um, simply because, like I said earlier, that that what I what I have written, I just f- feel it is. <laughs> oh, this sounds so cheesy. I don't know how to put it, but it's just like it feels like that's my essence, and 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 it is me, and no explanation. Late- no apologies. Yeah, lay on thing. the queso. You know? you know, it's an art. It's called artsy yeah. fartsy immigrants. You know, lay on the queso, baby. <laughs> um, all right, but uh, would I have done it? I, I've, I've been through some hard stuff, especially in the last what, like five years of my life. Um, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm glad. I'm happy about who I am right now, and uh, I think that it's been hard one yeah is my life perfect for no but you've shown me someone who has a perfect life um and i think that what i've learned has given me a lot you know i have a lot of integrity uh, a lot more um just self-awareness and awareness that i also have a, a right to occupy space in the world and have you know Whereas I think, um, I don't know if if I'd had an easier path, perhaps um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the strength that I have now. You know, it's a good perspective. What? Because no, um, I was just I was um, I was going to ask a new question, but I thought maybe you had you still had more in the tank on that one. Yeah, well, I think that so. Like I said, I feel like. Uh, at the moment, I'm not. One of the reasons I love improv is that it's spontaneous and I can just go for it in the moment. When it comes to actually, yeah, writing music or sketches or sitting down and writing a, a poem or whatever, then I feel sometimes I'll be lucky and I'll have this sudden flash and I'll just, you know, work on it and it'll be, you know, time just disappears or what have you. But right now, I don't experience that so much. And like I said earlier, I kind of, I've just learned to accept that. And I think that that's going to come back at some point, you know, when when my life is less hectic, when my daughter's older and, and can be more independent. Um, I don't, I'm not afraid that I've lost that. It's just for another point in my life. And yeah. I think that the things that I'm gathering now, the things that I'm learning now, will help to fuel that later on. But I think if I just kind of lament the fact, oh, I never get to write, I never get to, you know, I'm rubbish, I don't get to, I don't write music anymore. No, I don't, I'm not writing it right now. Hmm. You know, I still have ideas, I still get stuff down and um, it's not completely gone, but it's just, I, d- I really just think you just go through different stages in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know. You also... Like we've talked about a little bit and I said, I wanted to jump into further was, you know, we did this improv show together and I think it's really interesting when people split their creative interests, uh, into sometimes doubles or quadruples, whatever it may be triplets. And I think when one of those is improv, that piques my interest a lot because you see that sometimes with jazz musicians you see that with um oh what's his name? This crazy comedian um who writes sketch uh uh, uh Eric Andre. Eric Andre. I don't know if you know who he is. Um yeah, I, I don't know if 
rings a I bell, don't actually. know if he's your type of humor. It's very absurdist. It's very, very, very like, it's very absurdist, but, um, and it's very intense. Sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it's great. Um, but Eric Andre, you know, he went to a very established, prolific jazz university, I think for, I think for upright bass. And then he comes out of it, this crazy, kooky, um, absurdist, uh, you know, comic style. And that kind of thing makes sense. But when you're, you know, with your background and your interest of film composition, you come from choir, you come from piano, things like that. You're studying language. You know, when did you have a moment where you found improv interesting? Did you have like a show or something as a kid or did you have a, how did you get into it? Oh, well, it's uh, interesting. Uh, so as a kid, uh, I used to watch Whose Line Is yes. It Anyway? Yes, yes, the same. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan Styles and Colin Mockery were always my, my same. favorites. And Mike McShane. Same. Yeah. I always found, and yeah, Joe I always T- thought Wayne Brady was impressive, mm-hmm. especially with the music games. I thought, wow, I can't believe he mm-hmm, made that mm-hmm. up. But Ryan Styles just yeah. has that like, that little thing. He has that, just that flavor. Yeah, and there's the the woman Jody. Is it Jody? Jo- she was, she looked like the punk rocker. Did she wear like the leather jackets sometimes? Jody or Jane something? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I think I might. I think I might know who. I remember you mean. her name now, but I thought she was great too. Yeah. So I used to watch this uh, when I when I was growing up, um, and and absolutely loved it. I thought it was it was hilarious, but it never really occurred to me that this was a thing that I could do. Uh, no way <laughs> because you know I, I I was brought up in northwest England there ain't that much going on do you know what I mean and um one day I, I I'd uh, so in 2014 I, I had my daughter and uh uh I'd I'd gone through a, a rough a rough time and one day I was I was back at work and I was sitting in a meeting at work a staff meeting and one of my friends my colleagues she said uh I said what are you doing this evening she said oh I'm going to uh, improv uh, improv group I said well what <laughs> yeah improv I said oh, can I come and I went with her and uh, I had a great time so I started out in this open uh, English-speaking improv group in Munich uh called scuba drivers and I was with them for a, a few years, and that's when uh, afterwards I, I really decided, you know, I want to, I want to do this. I love this. This is this is so interesting. And I also got into sort of um, accompanying, you know, improv m- music to accompany the shows. Um, so the musicals, it, you know, it sort of fulfilled my the dramatic side, the theatrical side, and the musical side as well. So it ticked all the boxes. Um, and that's when uh, you know um, I sort of Gargan who I met who you know who we did that the um uh, the Midsummer Madness Festival with that you you did, you know, the I right. effect uh sketch mm-hmm. that we did. Uh him and, and an, another friend of mine, Mustafa, who uh at the time of the Midsummer Madness he was busy doing his PhD thesis so he couldn't be there. But um uh that's when we kind of got together and tried to do some improv together. And then they cleared off and went off and did a lot of uh, stand comedy, which is is great for them. But then I I uh, got into Bake This, which is the uh sort of semi pro English speaking improv group here in Munich. And I've been with them ever since. And uh, 
yeah, it's great. I, I have a, a great time. It's great fun. And um, the, the, yeah, it's what I love. It, I get to do all this brilliant, exciting, creative stuff and I don't have to learn lines <laughs> or music. Right. I can just like, bleh, you know, let it, let it out. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just fabulous. It, it's, and the spontaneity of it, the, the, the rabbit holes that you can fall down, like the doors you open Endless. your mind. Endless. I can't believe that you didn't get into it until 2014. It seemed like something you had been passionate. Oh, 2016. Or 2016. No, 2016. That's even crazier because yeah. to me it seemed like something like by the time I met you and we were talking properly about doing this together, I, I thought that was something you had been doing pff, since you were in high school, something you had always had a passion for. No, no. But I mean, I suppose I suppose I, I, I was a bit of a closet improviser, you know what I mean? Should I admit this? You know, I'm one of those kids that will – have a little, you know, there's all these tapes of me when I was seven interviewing myself as, as some character on the radio. So, <laughs> you know, I think I had it in me. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. It was there, right? It just didn't have a, it just didn't have an it's such a It's such a crazy natural thing for you. And I remember when we, um, we rehearsed the first time at your place for the show. And I felt, um, one, I felt like really thrilled about it because it reminded me so much of the years of, of improv that I, that I did at my university that I loved doing. Mm-hmm. I loved doing it. And it, it put me right back. You know, we used to do these, um, I was part of a team and we did the orientation shows for the incoming f- freshmen for the university. So we, we were in the, um, the amphitheater. It was like you somewhere between like maybe 150 or 300 seats. And a really nice wooden stage and a big red velvet curtain that you came out of. And we all had matching t-shirts and just that energy, you know, and the first couple of times that we did it, it was all these young, fresh, smiling faces. And we were super warm. You know, we, we were doing it like twice a week, every week for months. And you just come out super warm, completely on the same level. You know everyone's strengths. You know what everyone plays better. You know, someone has, someone's going to have a certain character that you can you can play your best off of. You you start learning which duos within the group have a really strong chemistry. And when you come out that fresh and you're just killing, like you're killing, mm-hmm. there's nothing better than that feeling. Nothing is better than that feeling. When you're just, right. you see, right. like you have to stop talking because you're not mic'd up and the laughing is too loud. That's the best right. feeling. That's the best. And And doing that just reminded me so much of that. And seeing the audience relaxing, too. Oh. like at the beginning of the show, they kind of, oh, what is this? Like, what, <laughs> improv? They just completely relax into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no, oh, it's, it's really, really cool, man. I had this, I had this mentor, um, a really good friend of mine, his name was Corey, and he was, he was the head of the team and he ran it for, he must have run it for, in my memory, he ran it for about six years, but it could have been less. Mm-hmm. But he was, um, I mean, he was just the OG, you know, he knew... His his favorite thing was mostly short form games. And well, actually, you know, this might be a good way, a good chance to talk to about this to people who don't know anything about improv. I do forget sometimes on this show that people who listen aren't um, necessarily creative people in everything we talk about. So, do you want to explain a little bit about what short form is and what long form is to someone who wouldn't know at all? Yeah, sure. I'll try my best. So, I mean, short form improv uh, tend to be. Uh, games that might last anywhere between a minute to maybe 
seven or eight minutes and they can take all sorts of forms so you might i, I know a couple of ones i just pulled out of the air uh, the um no p is quite a funny one so that's where you have to create a scene and you're not allowed to use the letter p uh, or any other letter that can be determined by the audience uh, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a it's a fast-paced game and the way i've played it before like with the kids at school for example when i trained them up was uh, you know they 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 use the letter and then they're out and then someone else comes in and we've got a new letter and it's, you know, sort of very, very fast, very fast pace. Something else you might play would be a uh, blind date uh, where you have two people, you know, who have to create these spontaneous characters and they're on a, uh, I don't know, speed, speed dating. dating. It's called speed dating. Yeah. Yeah. Speed dating. They have to uh, create uh, a short scene. And then I think the other thing about improv is the, the timing you're feeling the beat when is it time to move on yeah. so you know these these speed dating scenes they might last a few seconds they no people might not say anything it might just be a gesture or a look that gets the audience you know and there's the beauty of that scene and then you move yeah. on to you have to trust one. your teammate to either yeah. tap you out or to cross the stage to cut the whole scene right. i mean i guess for right. someone for so, someone like my mom who who is probably might, probably curious about this like whose line is it anyway all of that exactly. is short form, short form. like scenes from exactly, a hat, yeah. these short, like everything is very short, punchy, you know, sometimes Ryan Styles, Colin Mockery, for example, would come out, just give, just give the crowd a look, you know, and that's their bit. They're yeah, out exactly. next, you know, and that's, that's short form. Mm -hmm. But how would you explain long form? Because that, you know, the, the Herald and, and things like that, these formulas can be a bit trickier. Yeah. I mean, I've only uh, done the Herald once or twice, actually. Um, our long forms that we tend to do with uh, Bake This, uh, we do a lot of improvised musicals, which is my, sort of my absolute favorite. I can see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yes. Uh, and there, you know, there are sort you're looking at anything between 20 minutes. I mean, some we've not done one that's gone on for an hour or something like that, but there, you can easily have, you know, a long form improv that goes on for an hour where you're building um a storyline uh it could be a linear storyline um you can also have uh, free form free form i love doing free form that can go on for a long time where you're kind of playing off ideas that uh you know there's not necessarily a, st a story a linear story that that follows but you might be suddenly inspired by something someone said or a movement somebody made or suddenly a song pops into your head that's linked to something that's happening on the stage and um yeah so these and then there are, you know, there are formats like like the Herald, which are pretty, you know, structured, mm -hmm. and and you're following this this pattern. Um, but I don't have as much experience in that because it's not really something that we do in my, um, in my group. Me either. I'm I'm not. I'm also not as familiar with it. And I remember it the last year that I did my group, um, was a bit of a troublesome one because <clears throat> I was like Corey left, and then. At this point that he was that he was gone, um, we had another guy named Robert who was taking over for a short time as like the head of the group and uh, running the rehearsals and, and trying to orchestrate um, the certain shows that we were doing. And then I think after that, I think when Robert left, then there was like a vote uh, going up for who would do it next. And at this point, I was really headstrong about the group and really passionate about it. And I kind of campaigned amongst the group, like, you know, I would love to do this. I really, I'm sort of like, um, I really want to follow in the footsteps of Corey. I really love his teaching. If you like what he did, I'm going to try and give you a, a similar thing. And then I got voted in 
And it wasn't even just a few months of being head of the group. We had this guy who at the time I really resented for this, but now it's almost funny to me how seriously I took it because it was just a college improv group. But when you love something that much, you know, it's life or death in the moment. But I had this, um, we had this teammate on the group named Carmichael and he was very funny. I mean, there's nothing against his talent. He was very funny, which almost made me hate him more, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he, he was just so passionate about trying to push the group into more of a long form competitive um, strategy. Like, I really think he tried to get us into a place where perhaps we could compete nationally for maybe he wanted to get seen by, you know, this like second city, you know, he, he wanted to get involved into a place where he could escalate himself and get to perhaps every true improvers dream, which is like SNL, you know, I don't know, but he had this thing about it and he made it really complicated for me as the leader. He made it very troublesome and he made it very um, unfun for me because everyone else was kind of relaxed and just having a good time. But then he um, just really wanted to take over. And then at some point I resigned. I just said like, I can't do this anymore. You know, and then I was, so I, I teared up. I, I was, I took it so personally. And of course, no one else was really running against him. So he's like, I'll do it. And then they threw in all their names in a hat. And they were just like, yeah, sure, he can do it. But then after that, after a few months, it just fell apart. Then some people were graduating. Some people were moving out of the group. Um, we had two girls, unfortunately, who were very sick. They fell really ill. So they were, they were out. And um, after that, I felt like it was just over. Like I had just lost this, this thing we were going for. So um, it's crazy how you can get so, so into things like that, you know? But I think it's great. I, but, I, but I do understand this. For me, this idea about being competitive, doing it competitively, it's not something I, it's not a world that I'm familiar with. It's, it's not something that really attracts yeah. me. Um, and I think, so I, I think that in a, in an improv group, if, if, you know, if you've got one, one person alone pushing, things are going to fall apart, you know. It should be the whole group, you know, you, you want to try and have a, a a group that works effectively together. Like you were saying before, you know, you understand the different people in the group, you know how people tick, you know what combinations work well together. Um, you know, you you can sense when somebody's maybe struggling and you need to go in and, and help them out, you know, whereas, you know, it sounds there that you've got someone who's so concerned about pushing pushing the group for their own uh gain right i don't i don't see how that can create a um a good improv group I, the, the 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 fun would the fun would be gone and that sounds like what happened there with exactly you. And it, to me it's it's all about fun you know absolutely oh my god i mean even just this one show that we did together you know i had a lot of cobwebs to try and knock off in those couple of rehearsals we did and i didn't succeed knocking them all off but there was still a couple of moments where something just clicked either with you or, or, or with, uh, Gagan, for example, Gagan, yeah. and something just worked. And I felt exactly like smack dab back on that orientation stage, hearing the handful of people or whatever, just really giving a good gut laugh and was like, Oh, 
man, I miss that. I miss <laughs> yeah. that. So like being funny, feeling funny, but also not making it about me, but making it more like, guys, we're killing this and then tagging out and it's right. someone else's turn. Right. And and when you have that chemistry and that magic on the stage, uh, you don't feel it kind of comes naturally. You don't have to force anything, you know? I mean, the whole point is it's improvised. You shouldn't have to go on having thought, oh, I'm going to try and get this one liner and all that, you know, make the people laugh here or do this funny thing. I mean, it just happens. It's just organic because the whole group is working together and supporting each other and listening to each other and reacting and, you know, complimenting each other. And that's that's where the magic lies, and the audience sense that they get. Have you had? Have you also had some pretty complicated experiences, like with improv groups in Munich, like the one that I had in university, where you had people trying to not sabotage it, but sort of take it somewhere you didn't feel comfortable. Um, I, I've I've been bulldozed a few times on stage, uh, which I I always find difficult to deal with uh because to me that's what do you mean by bulldozed well i mean i'll i'll be set one example was i set up a scene uh, was um it was a sort of hero's journey type format and and there was this one sort of link missing in the chain and i thought right this is my this is my calling i need to go on and become this link you know uh, so I sort of went on and I set up this character and uh, then uh, another player came out and essentially swiped me off the stage and started creating a second character. This person was already playing a significant character in this in this play and they, they, then they started to create this missing link character, which left my character with... No purpose. It, it, there was just no. It, I came on stage. I said something, and then that was it. That was it. That the character was gone, and I've never experienced that before. And and that that made me feel. Yeah, I was pretty upset by that because that to me is. I mean, I think it came from a place of uh, a place of fear from that other player. You know, thinking, oh my god, where is this going? We have to pull this together. Right. But I, I I feel like that's one of the most dangerous things that can happen. You know, is to. I mean, I always, I find myself doing that, standing backstage going, okay, what the hell is going on now? We've got this storyline and something's going on here and there. I've got to try and pull this together. I've got to try and pull this together. You know, and and that's when panic sets in and it's not, it's probably not going to go well after that. You know, the more you can relax and let the kind of the story tell itself, the the more likely you are to come out with these magical storylines or magical endings or magical twists in the plot. Yeah, the more control you try and put Mm -hmm. into it, the the less you know it's not going to be as good basically and and that bulldozing that i I i've experienced i think it was from somebody panicking absolutely absolutely yeah i've i've definitely been in a few situations where panic led to a forced a forced narrative that like you said kills a character or it um completely derails something that the other people had been setting up for quite some time like this unspoken lead up to a huge punchline. We just haven't quite found where it's going to be yet, but it's going to be the great way to end this. And then someone, someone either, you know, pre-plans a line that they thought was funny off stage, which is like the biggest no-no ever, or they, or they got nervous and um, didn't get, maybe they got distracted and didn't get where it was going. And 
chopped it off, you know, and that's, that hurts. It hurts so much when you put work into it and you feel it cooking and then someone just throws the pot off the stovetop and you're like, oh, yeah. 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 But again, you know, you just have to uh, learn from it and, and move on and, and, and try not to, you know, try and, because we're all guilty of uh, not listening on the stage. And that's one of the worst things you can do is not yeah. listen. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, you just have to learn, you know, learn from your own mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes and just try and, Try and be a better improviser. Try and listen more. Try and do you think there's any be more? Do you open. think there's any uh like do you think there's any grounding in this theory that um for people like us with improv, because it forces you so much to be present in the moment with zero um what what is the word I was thinking of? Like no compromises. Like you have to be here in the moment or you or you or you really mess it up for everybody. Um, do you see that could be similar to how other people treat meditation? Like maybe it's a kind of therapy that for, for us, for those five minutes or 10 minutes, you are nowhere else, but flowing in this moment, you have to be present and you want to be, your brain is really like channeled in. You don't think about anything else if it's going well. Do you think like a good five minute, short form game where you're just laughing and, and, and the juices are flowing and you're just there could considered like similar to how people treat meditation where you're trying to be present and, and clear your mind. Yeah. I've often thought about that, that comparison myself. I, I think there is something in it. However, I think that um, meditation brings an inner stillness that 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 might not yeah that makes sense you know, yeah that that you you you're pumped up with the adrenaline i guess <laughs> it's like a drug stage, yeah maybe you know? it's not the same <laughs> yeah no but it is in the sense of you are it, it is in the sense of your your focus yeah you know like you've just said you know it's this mind this kind of mindfulness you know that's the trendy word right now isn't it um but it's true i mean but I mean, you can you can can do that in other aspects of your life. You know, the, the one that always makes me laugh is like mindfully brush your teeth or whatever. Do you do that? Um, no, <laughs> I have a, a weird thing about people brushing their teeth. What is it? Um, I can't. It's, uh, whenever I hear someone brushing their teeth or I think about it, I get uh, cold shivers and goosebumps. Wait. When you, like, let's say you're watching someone brush their teeth. Yeah. Is it a manual toothbrush? Is it an electric toothbrush? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What if someone's like, picking their teeth? Like they get like something stuck, like some lettuce? Ach, that, that doesn't, doesn't bother, bother me. But the, no, bother but what if I dipped my finger in water and brushed like this? It has to be the stick. Yeah. What, about when, <laughs> what about when you're like teaching your daughter to brush her teeth? Did it, did it gross you out? It's not like it grosses me out. It just like makes me um, go goosebumps. Is it like an ASMR thing? I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. I've never, I've never met any. I've even googled it like <laughs> to see if other people have this weird thing. And there are people out there. I'm not alone. I might. Start Do they have? The, 
You should start like a subreddit. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't bother me when I'm brushing my teeth. Well, it may be just a little bit at the beginning, but look, this is so. No, 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 but this is this is interesting. This is interesting. (laughs) Is Is it something about is it something about like the cleansing of a dirty mouth, or is it the fact that you're putting plastic? Because for me, like when I brush my teeth in the morning, I brush it for way longer than I have to because I feel so gross, like from the, you feel like spit on your teeth and the breath is so bad and you're just like digging in and digging in. But in in the evening, it's a normal quick, you know, it's a normal two minutes or whatever. Like, okay, that's it. I feel good. It's fine. But like for you, is it, I think it's, you know, what is it? It's the bristles on the teeth. Oh, Okay. I think. What about when, the, like in movies, when they have the camera inside the mouth and the toothbrush, like is? Oh no! No, no, no. <laughs> no thanks. Do you? What do, a terrible do you ha- film. Do you no, have anything what? else like that? Is it like cl- clipping the toenails <laughs> or flossing? Flossing? No. That's fine. Interesting. It's just brushing teeth and i don't like the sound of a spade being scraped across some uh, concrete a spade being scraped across what's a spade again a shovel shovel. hey i'm at i asked nicely (laughs) a spade oh but that that is that is a frustrating sound like this like right well just imagine that 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 is like on a scale of one to ten ten being like someone brushing their teeth um (laughs) Uh, the shovel is about um, a six or a seven. But the toothbrush is a ten. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> did Did anyone ever show you these ASMR videos before? Of uh, like with people eating cucumbers or whatever. Stuff. Yeah. I, I've se- I've seen. Did you one, Did you get this tingly I'm... spine feeling that people get? Mm. I did, I don't get it either. I just, I just wondered what the point was of. The first time I watched a few, and for those who don't know what ASMR means, I forget what it stands for. Let me look it up really quick. I think it's audio sensory. What does ASMR stand for? I just want to make sure. Autonomous sensory meridian response. (laughs) Very fancy. Um, But like for those who don't know what that is, essentially there it's this extremely popular style of video making and audio it's mostly audio that's the whole reason behind it but it's apparently there's a there's a a phenomenon that takes place with a lot of people where if you turn the sensitivity on a microphone all the way up where you just barely make any sounds like scratching your hand or just whispering maybe just biting against something is a very crispy, crispy, big, compressed, condensed sound. It gives people this, it give, this is what they say, that it gives like their, the brain and the back of their neck and their spine like this tingly, sort of like ooey gooey warm sensation. And I don't get that sensation from these videos, but I think it's really interesting that that got so popular. <laughs> I don't have any ooey gooey when people are brushing their teeth. I just, I just want to run away. That's so interesting that to me. It's not ASMR. I was. I have, uh, I have Headspace. You know Headspace. Yeah. There? And they have these sleep casts, which are quite cool. And one of them is a couple of them, I think, are ASMR. And I put one on once, and it's just this woman whispering, 
and it really annoyed me. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to the, the nice man talk. The first time I saw an ASMR, I thought it was a sexual thing. I thought it was like a new sort of... Um, po- Is it because it's got S and M in it? <laughs> you would know, wouldn't you? <laughs> would, I, would I really? Would I adore I thought it was kind of sexual because the first one that I saw was this woman... And of course, yeah, it's a lot of whispering. They're whispering up against the mic, and it was a lady like, yeah. like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jennifer, and today I'm going to eat a pickle or something. Yeah, well, this is it. Like, it's some woman eating a pickle. I mean, and that's what I couldn't understand. I also thought this is this a you know a new thing. Yeah, but uh, it was. I I just thought it was unnecessary. <laughs> Do you get? So I turned it off. I lasted about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get it at all. But there is this one thing that's similar to ASMR, but it's purely visual. It's, um, I don't know if you're into anything on Reddit at all, but there is a subreddit called Oddly Satisfying. And mm-hmm. uh, they also have their own uh, video channel, I guess on YouTube and on TikTok and things like that, Instagram. Um, but they do these just short, sort of unexpectedly weird visual things but they are oddly satisfying. Like, for example, if you have, um, you might know the name for this. I'm so bad with stuff like this that I never use, but like a big spoon with the drainer holes in it. Um, a draining, draining spoon? spoon? Yeah. That's what they're called. That's now. what it is. And what they'll do is maybe take like a, a, a handful of sort of malleable wet mud and then take the drainer spoon on top of the other hand and press it down so that the mud squirts through the little holes kind of like spaghetti and something about seeing that is kind of like you know but uh but not happy not in a happy way no not for you that that bothers me makes me feel icky my my brother-in-law has a thing for um like the, there's another sort of subreddit or, or this popular um, video trend or picture trend even for like OCD people. I mean, I, I'm sh- I'm sure they're just using that in, in a broad stroke, not in the, not in the literal term, but just um, like, for example, when you get a new toothpaste and they take off the aluminum foil on the top and it's just a perfectly clean, unused. You know, you just said the word toothpaste. <laughs> But do you have anything? Do you do you feel that way when they show like a like a perfectly unused, um, I don't know, or like a like a charged phone or like a unused, uh, I don't know, uh, things things that when you use them they get messy, so they just open it and it's just fresh and clean. Maybe I'm using bad examples. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I know you're trying to make me have to be even more weird than I really am, but it's just not working. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if there's anything that makes sense because the toothbrush thing doesn't make sense. No, but I looked it up. I can't remember what it's called now. It's some, I mean, I've diagnosed myself, which is always a good idea, yeah, isn't it? Always accurate. Yeah, but I can't remember what it's called now. It's something sensory. I could Google it for you if you like. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe you can send it to me after this and I'll put it in the in the show notes. Sure thing. Um, do you um, do you write like so? I so do you have a goal to like write and record 
and like produce, for example, your own album? Mm, no, I'd like to do a new musical. That's what I'd like to do. Would you rather, would you like to write the whole story and everything? Um, I actually want to do music for my favorite book, The Little Prince. That that would be my next. That would be goal. pretty cool. It's been done. There are musicals of The Little Prince, um, but I want to do my own. I could, I could see that. But I'm not promising I'm going to do that. I'm just <laughs> saying that's kind of that. That is something that I would like to do. But one before day. you were to sit down with a piano and and write your own songs, you'd prefer to do a musical. Well, my my own songs kind of creep up on me. I I I, I um I often am inspired by a a poem that I read or or whatever, and then I'll set that to music. Um, I I mean I did things like a couple of the Shakespeare sonnets and things like that. It can be something that I just it'll just occur to me, and I'll just sit down and do it. I don't have any real ambitions to sit down and write an album, I suppose, because I've never been in that world. Right. You know, when I, Munich is, well, when I was in France and when I was, and now, now that I've been here, it's the most creative place I've, I've been before, like in the UK. I, I was never, it was never really encouraged. You know, if you wrote your own stuff, if you wrote your own music, you were, you were, a, you were a show off, you know. They said you that? Oh God, yeah. I've been called a show off a million times. Yeah. When I was growing up at school. God. Uh, so it's not, it wasn't really, I didn't feel that I had a right in a way to kind of pursue anything like that. Of course not. Not when and people th- tell you that you're a show off for trying. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was lovely. It was the first time when I was, when I was in France and I sort of, uh, I, I'd, I bought myself a guitar to take with me and I could play about five chords or something uh, just to accompany myself because I obviously could take a piano with <laughs> me. And it was so lovely to be amongst people where you could, grab the guitar and 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 sing a few songs and everyone would join in and instead of you know people telling you to shut up and stop you know showing off or whatever they, it was just about yeah let's all sing together let's all enjoy the music together do you know what i mean that, sure because that, it wasn't about doing a performance it wasn't about you know oh look at me <laughs> it, it wasn't about that at all but that's always the way that it'd been interpreted uh in the in the uk i think it's just a different mindset a different openness to to creativity and culture I mean, that's how i always felt about it in new orleans you know was that um trying different things and 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 trying to collaborate with people and and explore musical ideas and you know being artsy fartsy at its purest was mm-hmm. you know more than welcomed in fact it was encouraged and and in fact you know they they, it was almost like a stamp you had to have, like a badge you had to wear that, like, you're willing to do that, you want to do that, for all the musical doors to open, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, you know, but I think then it's very much, to, you know, I'm the only musical person in my entire family. I think my granddad played the organ, but that's it. So it, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that anyone really knew how to deal with in my family. And then right. at school, yeah, this was where all the negative, you know. Do you, do you think that, do you think that's like more of like a UK mentality or do you think that was just more unique to your school and your region? No, I think it's a UK mentality because it was also the same at university. You know, it was, you go and sing, but you do it in a closed room. Why do you think that is? Well, you think that's an English thing? Well, I hope not. I mean, I know that there's an awful lot of great music comes out. A of crazy UK. amount. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've always struggled to understand that, to be honest. Um, but I know that going to France and, like I said earlier, coll collaborating with the, the the painter who was also writing music and, and um, poetry, it was just the most fabulous freeing time ever. I didn't want to leave. Uh, this was like a whole new universe. Yeah. Me, a whole new way of approaching things. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know why it was seen so negatively. Yeah, it's a shame. Um when did you, you, you came to Germany in 2010, 10. okay. And why did you come? Like, because you came from France, right? No, no. I worked in a school in the UK for five years, actually my old school. And they offered, they offered me a job uh, and I worked there for five years. And then I, I came uh, because I met my now ex-husband uh, and, uh, you know, did what a lot of people do and moved um to a foreign country left my friends left my family mm -hmm. couldn't really speak the language um you know that actually this is good that yeah. you brought this up because um this is the part of having a guest on that we haven't even touched on yet which is you know half of the show title which is immigrant tell us about you know moving to germany and man dealing with this language adjusting to the culture. I mean, you seem like someone who's very independent and able to acclimate pretty well, definitely much stronger than I did, but you know, what, 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 you know, things did you face that were really difficult for you? And are there things that you're still adjusting to now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I was sort of floating on a cloud of love when I first arrived. Uh, that's since turned into a thundercloud and I landed with my bottom very firmly on the ground. Um, but, um, when I first arrived, I was I wasn't even in Munich itself. I was out in the sticks, uh, in a village between Ismaning and Erding, and uh, everyone spoke Bavarian. And I had a smattering of German, so I'd studied German grammar uh, quite intensively for a year at university. But I had intended to have German and French as my degree uh, subject, um, but. Uh, after a year of, you know, Guten Tag, wie geht es Ihnen, and all this, they wanted me to read Goethe. Oh, wow. And I just thought, nah, no, that, you know, just to just to barely understand that, I'm going to have to, that's all I'm going to be able to do. My French is just going to hit the floor, you yeah. know. So uh, I did another year of sort of the language, and then that was it. And, uh, and then, uh, so that would have been 2001, I would have stopped with German. So between then and... So 2001 and 2010, I basically had had no German input at all. So I had these sort of vague recollections of, of, of the structures, but my vocabulary was was nil. And, yeah. uh, and then I end up in deepest, darkest Bavaria. That um, must have been so hard to not land in a major city, to be stuck in the, in the villages somewhere. Yeah, it was. And uh, the, the family was half Dutch as well. So then I had Dutch to contend with. Um, and uh, Bavarian at first, I just it to me it sounded like someone. Sorry to any Bavarians listening. I, I you know I realized this could be. It's only a few. Don't worry. <laughs> if they listen yeah. to me, then they um, accept criticism. <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, it sounded like someone speaking German with a hot potato <laughs> in their mouth, and oh, you are 
Well, we'll see. We'll see the war. So, we'll, you know, that's that's the vision that I had, and I I always felt really rotten because I I would eventually my ear would adjust to somebody speaking Bavarian so that I could sort of vaguely understand that what they were saying to me. But then a new person would come along, and it I would have to readjust for some reason to their way of doing yeah. it, and and so. You know, these people I meet, they knew I understood a little bit, but when, when it was them talking, I didn't get a word they were saying and they felt really offended as if I was sort of somehow deliberately, you know, uh, snubbing them or whatever. Because, But if it wasn't that. It was just acclimatizing my ear to it. And um, it, it, that's how I got my job at school. I, I sang a, uh, I sang a, an Oktoberfest, a beer, a beer hall song in my interview. That's the only reason why I got a job in Germany. What? I was asked if I'd acclimatize. Yeah. I was asked, have you acclimatized or how, have you settled in? And I'd been, at, I think I'd been in Germany then for about four months. And I'd been to the Erdinger Volksfest. And I'd learned this song about a dead fish. Or whatever, you know. And uh, so in order <laughs> to show that I'd acclimatized, I sang this song very loudly. And uh, then I got the job. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's how I got my job. So thanks, Bavaria. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> So wild. Yeah, I just... That's so <laughs> wild. Well, I mean, I think I'm a linguist anyway, so I kind of have this expectation of myself. Sure. Uh, that I'm going to learn it. And also I wanted to know what the kids at school were saying about me behind my back. So I had to kind of <laughs> learn that quite quite fast uh and now you know i i I'm, i wouldn't say i'm i can be fluent in some situations but um you know others I, I, was, I was listening to one of your, your pod i think it was the first podcast you did and you were talking about going to like parties and feeling super left oh out. that was the one with, with matt austin right from from yeah, liverpool right no manchester, yeah, yeah. manchester and i yeah and i totally totally uh empathized with you because at the beginning i just felt like sitting in a corner and i just didn't really know what to say or do and felt really left yeah. out um you know but you know gradually i got my german to a, a decent enough level uh i still use deeple far too much i feel rather ashamed at how much i use deeple but who cares you know it's there I might as well use oh, it. there's no shame in um, but that. i think i also well, I mean, I also wanted to feel more at home and, you know, standing at a tram stop and not understanding the billboard, you know, what's, what, what are they advertising? That just makes you feel so much more alien. Absolutely. So, you know, I just wanted to have a more, I wanted to be more tuned into my environment, basically. Um, but I have to say, I'm, I, I got to a certain level and then I, I just kind of wing it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think... You asked me about what I find. Did you want to ask me anything more about the language? Or? Well, I mean, do you still feel like, are you at a point now where you feel comfortable enough that you could, for example, date someone new who doesn't speak English? Oh, God, yeah. That's a big step, yeah. 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 However, if they speak English, I always end up talking to them in English. <laughs> Just because I feel so much, I can express myself so much more. I don't really feel... I, I did. I never got on with German as well as I got on with French. You know, I just it, French felt more natural. German just doesn't feel. It doesn't. It's not part of me really. It doesn't. Even though I'm, I actually have my German nationality now, so I probably shouldn't be. Oh wow! This. But that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, well, thank you. I wanted to stay in the EU, in the EU. You know, I didn't want to get chucked out. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. I wanted. <laughs> That's a whole different wanted, struggle there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but in terms of uh, what I what I still find difficult, I think more now it's it's some attitudes that I struggle with now. Mm-hmm. Um, I find Munich quite. Uh, conservative and also quite patriarchal as well yeah. and as a single mother here I've come up against some real corkers you know especially what I call the Oma Polizei um, I actually did a song about that uh, I was invited to do a show called the fake fake news with Mel Kelly I don't know if you you know mm-hmm. Mel he uh, sort of heads up the comedy club Munich and he asked me to do this fake fake news show and I don't do I'm not a stand-up comic uh and so I, I had to do a two-minute set. So I, I wrote a song in German, my God, about the Oma Polizei, uh, who are these sort of old women who lurk in corners of buses and things and pass judgment on your parents. Yes, they stare, they stare <laughs> holes them, through you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the some of the some of the the comments that have been made, you know, this it's just awful. I've never ex- experienced that anywhere except. What are some here. of the things that they've I've said never to you? Anywhere else, everyone in the UK just seems to mind. Maybe they just don't care, but they just seem to mind their own business. You know. What are some of the things they've said to you? Oh my goodness! Um, I uh, I I was walking. I was having a really bad day once, and I was walking home uh, with with my daughter and uh, looking at. A text that my mum had sent me to try and cheer me up and there was this elderly lady walking the opposite direction to me and she walked up uh, and as she got to us she stood stock still and followed us with her eyes and uh, I'd had enough because I'd had a bad day anyway and I just said yeah haben sie ein problem and she just went sie werden ein problem haben like implying that you know because I you know dared to look at my phone for five minutes you know she just took it completely out of context of oh course. wow um, like she like yeah, she's gonna and, have a problem uh, Oh, just, just, just really, just unpleasant things. Like uh, your your daughter looks nothing like you. One old lady said to me, even though she's like a little mirror image of me. <laughs> Look at your face. Yeah, can you believe it? Your daughter looks nothing like you. I've had that. And a friend of mine was uh, with her daughter at a traffic light, and they wow. were speaking Italian to each other. And uh, the the daughter was being a bit cheeky, and my friend was sort of giving her what for. And this this old gentleman said, uh, "Lass ihre Tochter uh, sich ausreden. You know, let your daughter say what she has to say." And I just think, you know, sorry, do we know you? Who are you? And why That's are you trying to offer me? Not your business, man. <laughs> Absolutely, just so I find that bizarre. I find that very strange. And um, I've 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 managed now to sort. Of, I might, well, I don't think I have really, but I'm trying to let it wash over me or or just have a bit of a laugh when I see it. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I I do wonder sometimes would, would I invite the same comment if I were not female, you know, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that we'd get the comments or the looks that we get if we weren't clearly not German. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so Emma, I think I have to unfortunately end our call here, but I do want to say, um, that it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about everything. And I think we could 
definitely talk for another two hours about everything because this was so easy and so relaxed. (laughs) And um, is there anything else, like, is there anything that you want to um, say or plug or mention at all to anyone here at the end? Well, uh, I'm supposed to be doing a, uh, a improvised musical in, I think it's July. I think it's July 17th, although I'd have to go back into my phone and take a look at that um, with my uh, friend and the creative director of Bake This. Uh, it's called Guilty as Song, and it's going to be at Gansville Anders, I think, in, in Munich in, in July. But whether it'll happen or not, we don't know. And uh, I'm also doing a play, uh, a series of short plays with Entity Theatre, which was supposed to take place last year uh, and may be taking place in April this year, although I'm not convinced about that, but it might be taking place later on. It's called Masks and Mirrors. Um, So that's also something else to watch out for on the Entity website. On which which website? Entity Theatre. So that's not improv, that's straight. Okay. And if people wanted to find out more about shows in the future with Bake This, there's a Facebook page? There's a website. I think there's, yeah, there is a Facebook page, but there's also a website that they can go Okay, on. do you want to send those links? And I can put them in the show notes. Yeah, so sure. People can, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're going to have the links that she's mentioned in the show notes uh, on wherever you're listening. So you can you can take a look and follow Emma on there and her theater ideas and, and projects and her improv groups and... Um, yeah. Emma, this has just been great and it's been an, a real pleasure and um we're going to say bye, but then I want to talk to you for just one more minute after we after we say bye like on here. Yeah. But um mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for listening today and if you want to know more from Emma, like we said, we can you can go in the show notes and check it out. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show and if you enjoy the show in general, please make sure to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. And please give us a rating or a review or a comment because it really helps new listeners find us, like I said at the top. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Jordan Prince and all the proceeds will go to our new endeavors with live streaming or with video podcasting. We're going to try and make better and cooler shows this year for you guys. And yes, something I forgot to say at the top that I can say now, I just remembered it, is that if you or someone you know is an artsy-fartsy immigrant and you'd like to contact us, if you have a question for Emma, for example, or you'd like to ask us a question or try and be on the show, you can hit us up on Instagram at artsy-fartsy-immigrants, or you can send us a good old-fashioned email to podcast at m nine four five dot. D-E. Otherwise, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Cool. So, Emma, thank you so much. This was great. You're welcome. So let's stop recording this now. Let's stop recording in three, two, one. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.